Oh Lord, we come to you and we ask that you would teach us this morning. You've, you've just done a magnificent job through Colossians showing us Jesus, which was what your intent was, that you would show that church not just the awesomeness of Jesus, but how it extended to us who were sinners and deserve the wrath of God and to die and, and to eternally be separated, but yet by your love, by your amazingness that you have brought us into your kingdom through Jesus. And, and that's just amazing. Lord, we pray that we would never get tired of that good news, never tire of the gospel. It would cause us to continue on as your servants in whatever it is that you ask us to do. And I pray this morning that you would help me that you would take over my mind and my heart and my lips to speak only what you've ordained. Lord, I pray that you would cause your spirit to help us to listen to the gospel, that we might be changed continually into looking more and more like Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. If you have your Bible, please turn to Colossians chapter 4. This is our last week in the book of Colossians. Now, the book of Colossians was a letter. It was a letter that Paul was writing from prison to a small church in a town named Colossae. And, you know, when we think of writing letters, we have certain ways of getting it around. I remember, you know, when I was in grade school, we would, t we would get a sheet of paper, you know, and the teacher wasn't looking, and we would take out the, the sheet and we'd make sure no one was watching. And we'd say, dear Katie, I love you. Do you love me? If yes, check yes. If no, check no. Hearts, kisses, smooches, Jason, and then you would take it and you'd fold it up. And there was neat ways of folding it in, in uh, elementary. I was practicing this this morning to see if I can remember how to do it, but you would fold it up in its own little thing. And you would have this tiny little envelope that you had, right? Anybody still do this? <laughs> I have some people admitting that they did it. And you take this and then here's the key. Your teacher's watching, right? Now, kids don't get it. You shouldn't be passing notes in class. Pastor said. Oh. So you make sure the teacher's not watching. But then if you're showing your love for somebody, I mean, you couldn't just broadcast that because then you're going to get made fun of and maybe beat up at recess. So you had to be quiet. But it's worth it. Totally is, Katie. And, um, but you wanted to make sure that somebody else wasn't going to put it out in the open or open it and read it, Right? And so you put it in the hands of trusted friends to get it to the girl or to get it to the guy, to get it to the one. And they would open it up and they would they would read it. And, you know, it was that's how you did. You gave it to the right messengers. Well, nowadays we do things maybe a little bit different as adults. You know, we take our letters. and We make sure that it's going to go to the right place. So. We get out a very official envelope that has the security inside, right? Nobody can see in. You take that letter, you put it in. Nowadays, you don't even need to look at it. You just peel it off, stick down that thing. And now the important thing is when you get a letter nowadays, you can't just throw that thing in the mailbox. You got to use a what? You got to get a stamp. So you take out a stamp. Put it on there. Now, I, don't, I wasn't going to waste a real stamp on this. I'm sorry. It's getting expensive. What is it, 47 cents now? I got something just as good. It's a Cinderella sticker. And I'm pretty sure that that'll make it. But you get the letter and you send it out, right? Everybody got, got your Christmas letters, your, your list sent out. You get that. You put it in the mail. You don't know the person, but it's the U.S. Postal Service. It's UPS, whatever. You put that in. You put it into trusted hands to get it to the person that you wanted to get to. And that's how we do letters these days. Well, 
back in the day that that Paul is writing this letter, he didn't have somebody in class. You know, he wasn't in class. He was in prison. And he didn't have a postal service that he could just... What you did if you want to send a letter, you'd put it in the hands of a trusted messenger who you could give it to. And they would take it, whether walking, whether by if they were rich enough, by horseback or something. But they would take it and they would go hand deliver it. And so Paul has been writing this letter, a great important letter, not only for the Colossians, but for us too. He has this important letter about Jesus, but it's got to get to Colossae. And so he puts it into the hands of a couple trusted individuals that we're going to meet uh, here, Tychicus and Onesimus. So if you would read with me here in Colossians chapter four, this is verse seven where we're going to read. And this is the mail service. It's Tychicus and Onesimus. It says in verse seven, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And so Tychicus was one going to be one of the, the postal uh, people. He was giving him the letter and he's going to go take him the letter. And then he's also going to report back. He's a faithful and trusted servant. He's an encourager. And Paul's saying Tychicus is coming to you with the letter, but somebody else is coming with him. We read in verse nine and with him Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. The crazy thing about Onesimus is this. He was from Colossae. He was actually going home. But you know what? It wasn't just going home. The scripture tells us that Onesimus at one point was a slave. Later on, there's a book in your Bible called Philemon. And there's a guy named Philemon who was a rich guy and he owned a slave. That slave's name was Onesimus. Paul had written back to Philemon saying, hey, look, Onesimus had escaped I will pay to set him free, but he is now a brother in Christ. When he comes, please receive him as a brother. He is just like you and I, so receive him in Christ. So think about Onesimus going back, holding a letter, a gospel of freedom, going back to a place where once he was not free. And yet he's going back to Colossae. So that takes a lot of guts, I think, on Onesimus's part. Who knows what his former master is going to say? Who knows what kind of trials and and tribulations he's been through back in in Colossae. But we know this, that Paul knows that he can trust them with the message because they are fellow servants. They have given their life over to Christ and they have said, whatever, Lord, you need me to do. And so at one point they're with Paul. He's probably in prison at Rome. And now they're entrusted as servants of Christ to go take this letter to the Colossians and tell everything that God has been doing around with Paul and the other believers there in Rome. So that's pretty neat that he brings in these two guys. And then here's this. And, and, and just to let you know, we're going to go forward with a bunch of names of people who, have, who, who are in this. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when you come to lists of names in the Bible, especially like genealogies, a lot of times we approach them as just kind of throwaway passages. Ah, they're just boring lists of names. I think there's such amazing treasures in the midst of these names, especially some of these letters where it writes the ending greetings. So it brings up Tychicus and Onesimus, and now it's going to clue us into some more individuals. Here it comes to verse 10 and and talks about a few more. It says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And so it wasn't just Paul in prison. There was this guy named Aristarchus, where if you go back to the book of Acts, this isn't the first time he's had trials. Here he is with Paul in prison, but earlier in Acts, he was chased out of town. They wanted to beat him. This guy has has put his life on the line to make sure letters like this 
And the good news of Jesus can go out. So Aristarchus is a fellow prisoner. He sends his greetings. And it also says, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. So Mark is another guy. Now, this guy, he was formerly what you could call a dropout. Now, he was a rich kid. His mom had a house in Jerusalem was an indication that his family was rich. But when it came time for him earlier to go on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas, he got part of the way and then said, you know what? I just want to go home. He was a dropout. He was a ministry dropout. It was like he went to Bible college and then just said, ah, forget about it. The ministry is not for me. But the neat thing is this. At some point, God got back into Mark and said, I can't have you just going back home to comfort. I can't have you just living for Mark. You are now my servant. You are my slave. It actually uses that word bond servant, which earlier we translated as slave. You're mine now, Mark. And the neat thing in Mark is he wasn't say, whatever, God. Somehow he was brought near and he becomes very instrumental into Paul's ministry. He becomes a companion with Peter. And later on, he's the one who writes the book of Mark that you'll find early on in the New Testament. So it's pretty neat that Mark, even though at one point he was a dropout, the Lord brought him back and put his sight straight. And he was actually doing what he was supposed to. And Paul says here, greet him, welcome him, bring him on. It says this then in verse 11. And Jesus, who is called justice, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. So the last guy has the same name as Jesus, but I don't know about you. If I had the name Jesus, I would change it too. He has another name named Justice, and, it, and for whatever reason, he went by Justice. And so Paul says, welcome him too. Uh, he sends his greetings. Uh, but these are the three only that are of the circumcision. Uh, and what that means is these were the only Jews. These three are the Jews that are with me. They are part of the believers. They are the church. They are ministering. They send their greetings. Hello from the Jewish contingent. But then it goes on and there must be more from the Gentile non-Jews. It says this in verse 12. Epiphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, greets you always struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. We actually met this guy in chapter one. Epiphras was also from Colossae. At some point, God had stopped him from ministering in Colossae, but he had gone off on these journeys with Paul, continuing to serve Christ. But the neat thing is, even though he left Colossae, he never stopped ministering for Colossae. It says here that Epaphras, who is one of you, he still struggles for you in his prayers. I imagine Paul going over by where Epaphras was maybe praying alone and hearing him say, Lord, please be with the church at Colossae. Lord, would you help them to mature in the gospel? Lord, would you keep their eyes on you? Epaphras, even though he was gone, he still struggled in his prayer. He did war during his time of prayer for the church at Colossae. So Paul says, hey, Epaphras, who was one of you, he was ministering to you before, but now he sends his greetings from afar. But you got to be you got to know this. He's still working for you. He's still having Christ work through him on your behalf, even in his prayers. It goes on and says this about Epaphras in verse 13, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Heriopolis. So those were two small cities that were near Colossae and Epaphras has been working hard even for them while he's not there. Verse 14 then introduces a new fellow, but you've heard his name before. It says, Luke, 
the beloved physician greets you as does Demas. So Luke, who if you've ever read the book of Luke or the book of Acts, those books were written by this guy. He formerly had been a doctor. They think he was from the town of of Antioch. He had been a doctor and then he started going along with Paul. This guy who had been a student who was probably really good at writing as he went along, began to take eyewitness accounts and write those down. So not only now is he a physician, he's also a historian and a minister. And we are grateful to both Luke and to Mark that they have written a lot of the New Testament so that we could know Jesus. And here, Luke, the physician, the beloved physician, is sending greetings, as does this other guy, Demas. We'll talk about him in a minute. Demas shows up a few times in the New Testament as well. Verse 15 says this, Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So there was another city not too far away named Laodicea. It was a sister city of Colossae. And Paul says, hey, please greet the other believers there. There's also this woman who has this amazing ministry. We don't know if she was a preacher at all. We don't know what her her gifts were, except for this. It seems as though she has the spiritual gift of hospitality because she said, Now that there's a church, I'm going to welcome them into my house. We're going to have a house church. That's the way a lot of the churches were. They were all done in the house. And so every week or multiple times per week, she probably had to clean her house and get food prepared because she was hosting church. If you wanted to hang into the greens at your church, you would go to Nympha's house. And she was she was having the church there. And so Paul says, greet her and all the people who are meeting for church in her house. It says this in verse 16, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see also that you read the letter from Laodicea. And so not only would the Colossians get a letter, the church at Laodicea get a letter and then they would swap. They didn't have photocopiers. They couldn't just post it on Facebook. They had to actually trade letters. And so we don't have. The letter to Laodicea doesn't exist anymore. Maybe it does somewhere in some archaeological dig. They'll find it, but we have never found it. But we do have the the letter to the Colossians, and we are fortunate enough to continue to read it. In verse 17, it follows up with this guy. It says, "And and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So that's the message. I don't know if this guy is not doing what he's supposed to or he has been. He just needs encouragement. But the Lord has given Archippus a ministry. Maybe he was a preacher. Maybe he ran the food bank. I don't know what he did. Maybe he was the choir director. But he had a ministry. And Paul, at the very end of his letter, says, hey, go tell Archippus, do what the Lord has told you to do. The ministry that he gave you to do, fulfill it. Don't stop doing it. Keep ongoing you got to fulfill your ministry this phrase fulfill your ministry is used a few times in the new testament and i don't know about you but if you have received from god a word saying this is what i want you to minister within your family within your church within your community then the lord does he need to come to you and say hey you fulfill your ministry Because even as we go through this chapter and we read all these names to us, it's like, ah, Archippus. Ah, Mark. Tychicus. But I really quick want to illustrate how important it was that they would all fulfill the ministry that the Lord had given them to do. And so what I want to do to illustrate that is um, I need a volunteer this morning. Do I have one volunteer? 
All right, I see a hand in the back. Come on up, Joy. Thanks for volunteering, being the first one. It's always scary when you don't know what's going to happen, huh? All right. What I need you to do, Joy, if I can find the end of this thing. All right. You you take that end right there. All right. You are Tychicus. Can you be Tychicus? All right. I need another volunteer. All right. I see a lovely hand down here in the front. You are going to be Onesimus, okay? I need you to come over here and grab that string. All right, do I have another volunteer? Any of these new members? Oh, Kaylee in the back? All right, I see your hand. Good. Come on up. Do you mind being Aristarchus? Or did you have a person in here you wanted to be? All right, Aristarchus, come on up here. And I need another volunteer. All right, Callie, come on up. Lots of girls fulfilling their ministry right now. Any other volunteers? All right, come on up, Reba. All right, Callie, why don't you come over here? Thank you. Can you be Mark? All right, and if you'll come over, it mentioned Barnabas. You mind being a Barnabas? A Barnabas is an encourager, and you're an encourager. I think you got the right one. Good. Any other volunteers? All right, come on up, hon. Come on up, Andrew. You can come too. Yeah, she's coming. Oh, you're coming up? Did I? See? Who? Come on up. We need more. Okay, you hold that one, Andrew. If you'd come over here to the back, and then uh, Raven, you can go to the front. All right, you be Justice, okay? She's Justice, and you can be. Who's the next person on our list? Epiphras. Any others? Come on up, bud. You want to crawl under here? Army crawl? All right. Come right back here, bud. All right, you get to be... Who's the next on our list? I can't keep my eyes straight on this scripture. Let's say you're Luke. You want to be a doctor? All right. Doctor it is. I need you to take care of your parents in your old age. All right, you're Luke. Another another volunteer? All right, I see people shrinking in there. Brian, come on up. <laughs> yeah, let's put you down here by joy. All right, you get to be... You want to be Nympha? I made all these girls be guys. Why don't you be a girl? All right, any other volunteers? I need... Uh, the Allen's in the back. Will you come up here? I need I need the church that's in Nympha's house. I need another cluster of folks. How about uh, the Shelton's? You want to come up? Will you help us out? You can be the church, the Laodiceans. All right, find a place. You know, watch these candles. I'll be in big trouble if I end up destroying part of this this front. You take that. Bryson, you want to come up here by Andrew, bud? Now run this back. This is looking better than I even imagined it. All right, Katie and Elijah, you want to come up? 
Okay, don't don't strangle anybody here. Let's find a place. Any anywhere you want, bud. You want to come over here? Take that. You can do it together. All right, this is probably good enough. We're gonna get. In, I don't know how this is gonna unravel. I need actually. I need one more. I need Archpus. Anybody want to be an Archpus? Hey, come on up, Daniel. Thanks, bud. Let me see if I can get around you and find a place. You find a place over there. I'm coming to you. Oh my. Thank you. All right. I need one more special volunteer. Who's that? Judy? Oh man. <laughs> Judy, that was that was Ashley. Okay? That was not me because uh uh believe it or not, you're gonna turn out to be the villain. So uh <laughs> Well well welcome to membership at Unity Church. All right. I, I, w- I want you to take a look real quick what happened up here. <laughs> yeah, horns up here. We, we read off a bunch of names. When you read them in the scripture sometime, it's like, ah, just cast it off. But when you begin to look, if you went around to each one of these people, and, and maybe they aren't the people in the scripture, but you asked each one of them, where do you come from? Where did you hear about the Lord first? Where's the Lord have you ministering? What towns have you been to where the Lord's used you? We would begin to get a tangled web just like this. And it's not a tangle as if it's a mess. What's awesome about this is the Lord ordained that he would take all the people that Paul is writing about in Colossians and pull them together, all the bond servants of Jesus Christ for the purpose of the gospel. In the same way that we could say all these individuals are brought together for the purpose of serving Christ and his gospel. See, see, this isn't a throwaway. Your life is not a throwaway. Your job to fulfill is not to come sit in these pews. Your job at some point is to come and take part of the crimson strand of the gospel the good news of jesus and you may think well i don't got much of a part well what could i do i'm never called to be a preacher i don't think i'll ever be in prison maybe not but if the lord's given you a ministry of some type you just may be an encourager you don't have an official title you don't wear a badge but on sunday morning you're coming in giving people hugs reminding them how much jesus loves them giving them courage in christ you're doing your ministry and God has called you to fulfill that ministry. The sad thing is this. We all, this is great and we can focus on this net, but, but when somebody falls away, and at this point, Judy, I'm so sorry. See, the reason I'm going to have Judy illustrate this is there was one name that was in there whose name was Demas. Mark, remember, he had fallen away, but he came back. Demas, if you trail his life, it comes to the book of 2 Timothy and says this. Now you can let go. It says that Demas was more in love with the world. And instead of staying in the ministry and fulfilling his ministry, went away and went off to Thessalonica, probably to go Christmas shopping. I don't know. I don't know what was happening, but he left. He left and that part of the the net went away. This is where the encouragement and the preacher needs to come back and say, Demas, hold on. You know, this is important. You know why? It's because each one of us, when the Lord says, hey, come follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. We've been talking week after week after week about how the Lord is using us to go share the gospel. And for a lot of us, we think, how am I going to do that? The more you look at it, the more you look at this isn't just a tangled web. This is a fisher's net. 
He uses the church together. And some people have gifts that are more evangelistic. But for all of us together, it's an opportunity for people to get caught in the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And he has a way of using you in the midst of the body. Just the same way today we took in members into this church. They're here not just to be another number to tally votes at a vote. They're here to participate as part of the church to help bring people to Christ, to help encourage those who are in Christ as part of this great, mysterious, wonderful web of God's people, no matter where he takes us. All right, thank you all. You can you can go find your seat now. You can just drop that right where it's at. And and we'll pick it up later. Thank you. all. You got it. All right. You all did a great job. And that is why I love this type of passage. These aren't throwaway verses. If somebody was writing a letter about us, what would they say about you in the greetings? Could they put your name and say, hey, this person's a faithful sister in the Lord. This brother has been struggling on your behalf. This family, they're in prison. What could they say? Are you fulfilling your ministry for the sake of the kingdom of Christ? What's so neat is that this church is here, but guess what? There are churches scattered all over this world where it's not just individuals, but whole churches into this big network web. And you know what's awesome is when we get to go see that. I was talking to a, a friend recently who said that uh, her and her husband had a basically like a, a an adopted son. It wasn't official, but early on in his life, his, his 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 mom and his dad, it was just kind of an abandonment issue. And he had come into um, their family to live with them. Well, his 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 parents had had a religious past and he just kind of said, no way, God, I don't want anything to do with you. And yet he was in a very uh, God fearing family, adopted family now and. And for years, they have been just struggling to share the gospel with this guy. And he's just been very hard, even though he loves their companionship and even loves the way Jesus has used them to love on him. Well, this Thanksgiving, um, he ended up coming home. He's been on in military. He's been on tours and he was he was based somewhere, but he was able to come back to the Seattle area and he was coming back to the family meal. Well, it turns out that he brought a girlfriend with him. And the adopted mom and dad were kind of like, oh, another girlfriend. It just seems like every girlfriend, it just kind of gets worse. And they were delighted to find that when he came through the door, in walked this gal, and immediately they could sense something was different about her, different in a good way. As they got to know her, it turns out she was a believer. She has a past that was completely different from any of them, even different than the man she was dating. But she was a believer and and you could just see that she was going after this guy that she was dating for Jesus. And as she was leaving, she came over to the adopted mom and said this. She said, I don't know what's going to happen in the relationship between me and this young man. I don't know if we'll stay together, but. If it's the last thing I ever do. I'm going to try to save him. I'm going to see him come to faith. My friend said she just 
saw the tangled web of how God was interworking in this man's life to catch him in the net of his grace and his mercy, even though he didn't understand it, even though he wanted to cast off organized religion, he was getting caught in the net of God's people where God was pulling them together in an amazing way. And we see that not just in faraway places. It happens right here in Johnston County on Thursday morning, Thanksgiving Day. Everybody's getting ready to eat turkey and watch football. It's a fun holiday with family and friends. And it was really neat because that morning, a lot of the churches banded together for a ministry of helping feed people who didn't have enough money to buy food. And so over in the park in Benson, there was there was people coming from all these different churches to volunteer. Earlier, we had a handful of people from Unity Church. Not We had kids, we had adults, and it was great because people were serving food. And you had the sense of just loving on people in the community. It was awesome to get to know other people from other churches and to hear their story and why they're there and how God brought them to faith. But I was so thrilled because it so happened that there was a, a young man who was there who was just, I mean, he was off the charts with the spiritual gift of evangelism. And as people would come through the line, I mean, he was the first one watching people come and saying, hey, do you need food? And he would bring them in and they'd get food from some of the unity folks popping food on their plate. Some of the folks from the Baptist church putting food on their plate. There was people from the Methodist church bagging those things up and sending them on. And before they left, this man would say, hey, I got to ask you something. Do you do you know Jesus? I mean, he just had no fear about it. And I just stood there struggling on his behalf praying for him to share the gospel. And I was just astounded that the Lord would bring together all these people. And in the midst of serving a Thanksgiving meal, it wasn't about all the different food that was on the plate. It was all the different people that were forming a web of God's gospel love to reach families as they came on Thanksgiving morning to get food. And I was so thrilled that God has not given up on saving people. I was thrilled that he doesn't look at Jason and my name and just say, that's a throwaway. He doesn't look at you and say, you know what, your life and all your struggles and tragedies and and your past and your background and where you come from and where I'm taking you and the next job, even though you don't like it, that's not a throwaway. I'm going to use it for the sake of the gospel. Then the ministry and the places that God's given you to minister, are you fulfilling that ministry? Are we as a church fulfilling the ministry that God has given us to do? Or are we just playing church? We can't play the church. We must be the church. And in being the church, God says, as my church, you are my bondservants. That doesn't mean we're trudging around in the worst deal ever. Oh, I'm saved now and now life's going to be pitiful and I just got to serve poor people food. No. You've been called into the honorable service of the high king of heaven. And you get to proclaim his name and you get to love people with his love. And your life is not a throwaway. Your life is a gift. You might stand there as one who is holding on to those cords with other people in the faith. And you might not be the one at the end of the line with your gift of evangelism saying, hey, do you know Jesus? You might get that chance and I hope you do. It's an exciting time. I hope you take it. But you might be a part of that big group who's saying, you know what, we're just going to we're going to tangle you up in the good web of christ some of you today you'll go home and you'll watch football and nowadays those athletes are so quick and so fast and so strong 
that they'll whip that ball over the middle and a guy will grab it. And pretty much anymore, if that guy's got it, it's going to take two, three, four different people to all help tackle him. They call it gang tackling. And I just think that's one of the best illustrations of going after people for Jesus. Occasionally, the Lord will let you one-on-one. It's just one person and one person, and that person comes to Christ. But for the most part, the same way that it happened for each one of you, it took a number of people gang-tackling you towards Jesus. And that's what we get to do as the church. So Paul writes this letter and says, look how good Jesus is. Then he goes on to say, make sure your life looks like Jesus. And then he goes on to say, and now as the body of Christ, go in this tangled web that I've made and go share Christ. Here's part of the tangled web who's praying for you. Here's some of them who are serving you. Now, we're all part of this. Let's go share the love of Jesus. I don't know about you, but I get I get excited about that. Because I know that we'll leave this room and some of you are going to struggle in prayer for me saying, hey, Please help Pastor Jason while he's out this week ministering. And I get to pray for you that while you're at the, the dealership or the schoolroom or parenting or, 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 or off visiting somebody that you're going to be sharing Christ. And we're in this together. And Christ is going to empower it because he's not done saving yet. And so today, maybe if the Lord's been showing you, hey, this is the way I want you to minister and you haven't been doing that. Maybe you've started running after the world. You're, you're much in love with it and not even paying mind to Jesus. Or maybe you're like Mark, you've said, no, see you later, too rough. But now you've been sensing that Jesus is calling you back. And you might have a great and powerful ministry. You're probably not going to write a gospel, but maybe he'll he'll do something amazing through you towards somebody else's life that's just going to be, we're just going to give God the praise because only he can work that miracle. But if you find yourself in that place saying, you know what, I want to press harder. I want to lean into what the Lord's going to show me to do in his kingdom, then then this morning, then come to the Lord and say, Lord, use me. Help me to fulfill my ministry. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for the reminder of of all that you've done to save us. We know that it took not only creation, but through Jesus Christ to recreate us again by the work of the Holy Spirit, making a new person inside of us, showing us our sin and how we need your forgiveness how you change us from an, uh, an old creature into a new creature and how you have us to walk in the spirit, in the power of Christ. But Lord, we also see that we're not in this alone. You have put us together into a body of believers. Yes, a local church, but also one that spans the whole globe. There is not a sunset on the people of God. They are everywhere. And we are thankful to be a part of that church. We pray, Lord, that you would use us together with other churches in Benson and Four Oaks and Johnston County. We pray that you would use us with other churches throughout this country that we're in partnership with. We pray that you would help us as we help pastors over in Africa and and pray for those who are over in Asia and, and Christians who are giving their life this very day, maybe in North Korea. And we pray for your church, Lord, that we would be your servants and we would do Anything you ask us. Whether it's going up and boldly sharing the Lord with somebody. Or whether it's putting off a self-interest so we can stop in prayer for somebody. Lord, help us to fulfill our ministry. 
Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have. We pray that you would have eternal fruit come from this because it's in and through and for Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.